welcome everyone to this edition of the Not So Common Podcast for Tuesday, June 12, 2018. I'm Pat Contry. It's in the middle of E3, which I'll be recording a CU podcast with Ian uh, on Thursday, a very special CU podcast. This is actually a re-record. This happens about once a year where I do a recording and think that I'm recording audio and then end up... It ends up that I'm not. So <laughs> I'm going to be saying a lot of the same things for the second time in this afternoon. But I'm not going to talk, talk about the fact that I was being, uh, I don't know, uh, impatient the first time recording without checking that I was actually recording audio or carelessness. I'm chalking it up to the 1410 intermittent fasting I've been speaking about. That's right. You give yourself 10 hours a day to eat or eight hours and then you fast for 14 or 16 hours. And that can mess with your head sometimes. It can throw off your judgment and cloud your your ability to cohesively go about a series of actions like recording a podcast. But here I am. I'm not mad. I'm not mad that I wasted an hour of my time and said some brilliant stuff that I won't be able to repeat. I mean, I have the video of my gums flapping, but no audio to go along with it. But uh, this actually happens like once a year. So this was the one time I'm giving myself. So, uh... What's been going on in the world uh, lately? Uh, there's been a couple of high-profile suicides uh, that I'll get into. First, there's the uh, unfortunate passing of uh, big-time game game collector, preservationist, and curator of the personal computer museum, Sid Bolton. Passed away, uh, I believe, 46 years of age. He, he leaves behind a wife. I'm not sure what was happening with Sid I didn't hear about anything wrong medically <clears throat> with him until he unfortunately passed away. And um, it's a it's a big loss to the, uh, not just his community in Ontario, <clears throat> the community around him, which knew him and respected him. He was well known there. Um, it sounded like the personal computer museum was well regarded according to uh, reviews online. He, he knew his stuff. I don't know. I'm not the expert on Sid's life. I knew that he authored a couple books. Uh, one was the Space Ace and Dragon's Lair collecting book. <clears throat> um, but I met Sid, uh, I think it was Con Bravo, I want to say about five years ago. It was a video game cl- uh, collecting uh, panel, I believe. Um, either, either that or video game history. I think it was collecting. And it was uh, myself, Sid, and then it was Billy, Billy and Jay, the Game Chasers. And I can't remember if Norm was on there or not. That's when I first met Sid. Uh, very nice guy, how everyone has said that about him. And that's that's the truth. And then I think I might have seen him at one more. Uh, Con Bravo was probably talking to him for 30 seconds a minute just to catch up the next year or so. But um, we chatted every now, now and again on Facebook. Nothing too serious, like maybe like three times a year, you know, for a few minutes just saying hi. He, he sent me a couple of, uh, like probably two or three different suggestions for podcast topics. And then he last got in touch with me at the end of May um, to tell me about that auction in New Jersey, the live action auction uh, for that that person's personal collection. So I didn't get a chance to get back to him, unfortunately. Um, so obviously it's uh, it's sad. 46 is still pretty young. It's very young in this day and age, especially with the, the modern technology of you know modern medicine. So um, thoughts to his friends and family. Um, I mean, I, I knew the guy, but I can't say I knew him that well. I'm not going to pretend I did uh, just because he passed away. But um, it, it's a shame just because there's not a huge, huge amount of people that not only have the will, but but also the sizable collection to start a museum or be a curator like Sid was. And I have no idea about how much money he put in on his own, how profitable it was, or it probably was a nonprofit, I'm guessing, but you still need money to run it. So hopefully someone follows in his footsteps and could carry on the mantle of doing important work in terms of game preservation. In this case, um, this personal computer museum. And, uh, and he had a huge game collection as well. He, I, I think he was known as being the large, one of the larger, if not largest, video game collectors in Canada. So they'll get to a point where I guess we'll find out what will happen to his huge game collection, whether it's paced out, Someone takes it over. Maybe a museum starts with that. But my, my concerns right now, obviously, his, his friends and his, his family, 
have to deal with this 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 awful loss. But then someone's gonna have to do something about the. I mean, that museum. Uh, what happens to the museum? Um, not a lot of us out there. There's not a lot out there that, like I said, have the money, means, will to do like a, a museum dedicated to the stuff. There's not that many of them. So hopefully, hopefully there's a support group that rises up that helps out uh, there. But uh, here's you, Sid, important person in the community. Did good work, good guy. Uh, it was always nice to me in our interactions. And uh, best to the surviving uh, friends and family uh, there. Um, NBA Finals came and gone. The NBA Finals. Uh, I, I thought the Warriors would have a chance to sweep just because I think they were they didn't want a repeat of, of last year against the Cavs where Game 4 they got blown out and then finished up in Game 5. I think they wanted this. They knew, they knew their foot was on the neck of the Cavs, and they really wanted to crush them, and they did. They, it was a laughable Game 4 closeout game where it was garbage time in the in like four minutes left in the fourth quarter. All the starters came off. That's unheard of to me, not not just in an NBA Finals game, but for a closeout game, for a, a potential winning game, where the game is so far gone, you're just going to pull everyone. Um, it comes out afterwards, though. Uh, LeBron James, he shows up at the press conference after, after game four. He's got a soft cast on his hand. And he says, yeah, you know, I've been playing the last few games with a broken hand. Um, I punched a whiteboard after an anger after the, the game one loss. So he he was playing with a compromised hand. And the, the evidence shows that his hand was puffy on close-up pictures. But then also you look at his stats for uh, outside shooting in games two, three, and four. The numbers just decline in terms of even attempts from the field. I think the first game he had like 16 attempts, and then like games two, three, and four. By the time he got to, got to games three and four, it was like a few attempts each game on average. That's it. From outside, I think of like 10 feet, so basically outside of a driving sort of lane location. And he was doing a lot of driving. He still played uh, not great. He played good games in, in games two, three, and four. Um, you can argue great for a couple of those, but game four was just sloppy, and they gave up. The Cavaliers gave up that game. Like They, they just didn't try. They didn't have a heart. So, of course, you get to the conversation. Well, first off, hats off to the Warriors. They, they won three out of four. Um, if, if not for the combination of Stephen Curry being compromised in 2016 from his uh, MCL sprain and the fact that Draymond Green gets suspended game five and the fact that Iguodala was hurt and I think one other player was hurt on the Warriors. The Warriors should have won four, four titles in a row, which would have put them in the pantheon of all-time great teams. They are anyway, but I mean, I mean that hasn't been done since the '60s, where team wins like four in a row. You know, it was like the old Celtics teams, I guess, did that way back when. Oh, with Bill Russell, did his teams win four in a row? I'll look that up later. I might be wrong, but they, they, they went. But Russell went like Russell won like eleven of them though, so he must have won four in a row or close to it at some point to get eleven titles. That's insane. Then again, there was like only eight or ten teams then, but still. Um, so it's a great accomplishment. But the, the conversation always comes back to, you know, is LeBron the greatest of all time? Because he, he strapped his team to his back. He's been to the NBA Finals eight straight years. Then again, it's in a very weak, weak Eastern Conference compared to Western Conference. We get that. But still, eight in a row getting there is, is fine. You know, he's only won those eight years. He won three. He went three and five. And you could have said he went one and seven. You could have said. Because two were really, eh. He, he didn't win. He only won one of those three decisively there two are skin of their teeth types you know game seven and the other two um anyway so the greatest of all time to me that doesn't mean you're a great player because lebron is absolutely one of if not the best players of the past you know 15 years that's that's fine but being a, a great player means you also have to be a great leader especially if, if you want to be a champion you have to keep together a core team. You have to not upset the apple cart. You have to you have to massage different egos and personalities and not piss off people. Maybe not trade away a great player like, uh, excuse me, maybe not chase away a great player like Kyrie Irving, who demanded to be um, traded after he didn't want to be Le- out, he didn't want to be in LeBron's shadow and feel like he was being disrespected. You go back to that some shots from the 2017 season where. He's zoned out in, in, you know, in a huddle. LeBron's yelling at him. You can see Kyrie's eyes. He's just gone. He just can't wait to get the fuck out. He couldn't stand LeBron. 
uh, and he, but he helped LeBron win that championship. He won, he won that, he hit that game winning shot game seven, 2016. So, so when you talk about Michael Jordan in terms of, he was a great player, but he, he managed to make the best of all other players around him. And that's something Kobe Bryant even said. He said, getting the most out of players isn't just throwing the ball at them when you pass to them. You have to like manage these people. You have to bring out the best in them throughout the season, keep them motivated. And that's, I think, not what LeBron James' strength is. So I think, historically, he's going to go down as a great player, one of the best. There's no way he's going to be considered uh, one of the top player uh, years from now. I, I No way. No way. Because if so, he he would have been, he would have been able to attract attract more players to him, and then keep those players around. And that's never been how he's been. I think he rubs people the wrong way. I think he's a bit abrasive. But he walks around like he knows he's the best. He has chosen one tattooed on himself. I I go back to that because that just shows you the ego involved here. Jordan didn't have to tattoo himself saying he was the best. He just proved he was the best on the court. And I know that because he destroyed my freaking should have been champion New York Knicks. You know, every freaking year in the Eastern Conference Finals, like Jordan, Jordan defeated so many Hall of Famers every year was insane. I, I would think we forget about that too. How stacked some of those teams were in terms of, or, or overall, a, a huge chunk of those teams of, of the good teams had at least one Hall of Famer on them. It's Stockton Malone. You had Charles Barkley on the Suns. You had Ewing on the Knicks. Um, you had Dominique Wilkins. Um, on the Hawks, you had obviously you had Magic Johnson. Obviously, you had Larry Bird. You had uh, Isaiah Thomas on on the Pistons. So you you had a, a a plethora of teams that had Hall of Fame caliber player or players. Stockton Malone were probably the most famous one in their primes that were you know the one two punch. And, and by the way, Jordan beat them two years in a row. Which I was pissed. I wanted Stockton Malone to win one. A uh, little plucky John Stockton, best point guard guard ever, by the way. Uh, so, yeah, Jordan just went out and just did it. And you can say, yeah, well, maybe his numbers weren't as good as LeBron here and there. Historically, it doesn't matter. He kept the team together, and he 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 was a leader on that team. And he led by example. And they rub, rub people the wrong way where LeBron comes out with a cast at their game four and not games two or three. And then... I guess you don't want to expose the weakness, but this looks like it's, it's a weak sauce move though. They'd be like, Oh, well, this is my cast. This is why I have a built in excuse for losing this finals where he should have just let someone else say, yeah, it turns out like a week later, keep the, keep it mum. But like, yeah, LeBron didn't want to make excuses, but he broke his own hand in game one. And that's why we didn't have a shot. And, and good leaders don't, wouldn't do something like that. A good leader wouldn't get so frustrated. I understand a game one loss is huge, especially at golden state when you're expected uh, not to win anything. And by the way, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. If they won game one, the Cavs, the Cavs weren't going to win the series. It was over in five or six if they win game one. I think I picked them, to, uh, the Warriors, to win five anyway. It, it was going to be a wrap no matter what. It just depends on wh- at what point was it going to happen. But LeBron hastened that by by um, punching his hand in anger. And that's something that I don't think a, a true a goat or greatest of all time would do to themselves. That's just ridiculous. You're playing, you're playing yourself out of the series by doing something like that. So here's the Curry, Durant, that dummy Draymond Green, that temporary Draymond Green and uh, goof, goofy, lovable Clay Thompson for three out of four. And they'll probably get, they can get another one next year unless uh, LeBron uh, has his banana boat crew all team up with him and Chris Paul and Melo and Dwayne Wade. Um, you guys ever see that the banana boat picture? That's why they're called the banana boat crew. They, they, they vacationed together a few years ago and got on one of those inflatable banana boats. It was it was pretty funny. It was pretty funny. Uh, what else is going on? There's been a couple of uh, high-profile deaths, unfortunately. Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade. Anthony Bourdain is more well-known well than Kate Spade, but Kate Spade was a businesswoman. Uh, she created a, her own little uh, fashion empire. And she uh, committed suicide at 55 years old, 55, 56. And then a few days later, the more known Anthony Bourdain, who was a famous chef, and then rose to superstardom with his Parts Unknown uh, series on CNN, travelogue show, travelogue and food show, where he goes around the uh, around the world, he meets and talks to the locals, and then 
you know, he, they make food with them and he, he learns about the culture and about the food. And it's, it's a great series. I used to watch it on a scene and I believe it's off of Netflix later this month. So if you have not seen Parts Unknown with Anthony Bourdain, you should you should watch a few episodes. And I remember I retweeted that it was a unique show is because it was one of the only shows I knew about that showed that that tried to bridge the gap between cultures between America and the rest of the world. There's not a lot of shows, at least popular ones that I know of, that did that, where an American would go out and learn from other cultures and talk to other uh, peoples, and you know learn their ways and eat their food and 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 you know there's some fun parts of that, some some intimate moments, and there's some interesting things that happen. I saw one where I think they. One, one, I forget where he went. They dug up uh, somewhere. Was it somewhere in South America or the Philippines? They where they dug up uh, like tarantulas and then roasted them and ate them. They like roasted the tarantulas on a, on a kind of spit, I think, and then chomp on them. Uh, yeah, hey, maybe maybe it tastes good. It must to them. <laughs> and it tried to get past the whole stereotype of America's being Americans being boorish, you know, isolated, just egocentric people and I, I i think we do get a bad rap when it comes to that i think some of it is justified but i don't think it's all our fault just because when you look at the world map there's we got two huge oceans on the the west and the east of the u.s so it's not like you can easily travel to other other cultures if you live in europe or around the mediterranean or in asia it's a lot easier to get on a boat or a cheap plane fare or a train, a cheap train, and just go to another country and experience totally different food, a different language, different people. I mean, I can do that in San Diego, but that's it. That's a, it's a very small part of the U.S. where you can even go just just to Mexico. And yeah, you can go to Canada, but that's not that's not really that. I mean, it's a little bit different, but not that much. But the average American can't travel to experience another culture easily. So I'm not going to put it all on us and our ignorance. I'm putting it just on a ge- a geographics. Of, of, of where we live I can't easily just say or the average American can say yeah I'm just going to go to Thailand and, and watch a kickboxing match and visit a Buddhist temple and experience uh, a nice curry okay you got like two grand on you to make that happen not the average American doesn't the average American uh, has enough money maybe maybe to make it to Disneyland every couple of years maybe to drive to Florida Maybe maybe to maybe go to the to Bush Gardens in Virginia. That's about it. That's about all we. Uh, that's all about all we got in us. <laughs> you know, that's really it. So, uh, so Anthony Bourdain, he commits suicide. I think he hanged himself. That's the reports. Um, I, I listened to Joe Rogan speak about Anthony Bourdain just because. Uh, he, he was a friend, friends with him. I didn't know Anthony Bourdain did jujitsu almost every day. Did not know that, but uh, I, I got a, I think I got a tweet from someone or someone asking about commenting on what I thought about this, about why, you know, why are, are these celebrities killing themselves? And I guess my response would be, I, I guess I take it for granted. I, I guess the understanding of how we fragile animals operate, but the, the, the best answer I can say about why, a celebrity would kill themselves is the same reason why anyone else would kill themselves. And because we are all the same. We're the same people, average people, celebrities. We all are, our minds are, are so similar. Our experiences are so similar. We have the same emotional range, whether you're poor, middle-class, the emotional range is exactly the same. We all come, we're all cut from the same cloth. We all have the same, just fragile, combination of neurons firing and chemical interactions in, in, our, in our head that, that that pile of mush that's our brain that forms our thoughts our opinions that uh, manages our personality forms our personality and our mood it's all the same so the the level of fame or celebrity status or occupation doesn't change what we feel a, a rich person a person like like Anthony Bourdain or someone that's experiencing going around the world, having so much fun. He still suffered from anxiety and depression. Apparently someone like Kate Spade suffered from depression. looks like doesn't matter that she, you know, had her own business, had lots of money, had her own fashion empire that she, that she formed. 
a lot of times uh, driven people are 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 the least calm in terms of their their mood and and their their psyche look at uh Steve Jobs was not known as a happy person and he he was most driven always looking forward always saying what's next I'm not saying there's a correlation between being driven driven and having anxiety or depression I'm, I'm just saying that there might be a, a, a tinge of unhealthiness by that's inside the most driven people I mean people ask me uh, sometimes about I think Ian was quoted for the the Wired article about him. I don't know how he has fun anymore. That's that's my friend saying that about me. It's because sometimes when you're when you're so blinded by uh, projects in front of you and what's next, what's 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 over the horizon, you're constantly running. You can't just stand still and relax for a second and think about okay, let's enjoy life, let's smile. And yes, everyone needs a balance between work life and and uh, relaxation, of course. But I'm just saying the overall general person that is maybe really, really driven, and I can say I'm a driven person based upon, you know, sort of measuring my, my level of ambition versus other people I know. I can definitely say I'm more driven than not. Um, and this isn't making it about, about me, but I do know that at least for myself, sometimes I, I don't enjoy life as much as I should. I don't take a step back. I'm either working too hard or just not working smart enough. I'm just, or just burnt out. I mean, I, I've been I've been burnt out for a while. So the point is this: if that's with me, someone with a huge business like like Kate Spade, they they might be in that boat, but just amped up, where they're always thinking about what's next, how's my business doing. I think Kate Spade sold stock in her original business and then formed a new business, even. So she was still in that mindset of let's build something, let's do this. It takes a very special type of person to do that. It takes a lot of energy. But yeah, you, you're sacrificing a, a lot when, you, you, when you're that sort of person. You're sacrificing the ability to relax as much as you'd like. When you work for yourself and you have your own business, you're working a lot. It's very stressful. That's not to say that any other type of job isn't stressful. I worked 55 hours a week at one point, office job, and that was stressful. But the person that drives himself to that point might be susceptible to some of this stuff of not being happy. Or maybe they're constantly... Uh, running towards something because they're trying to escape a feeling of standing still. And that can be part of it too. There could be an anxiety behind not being able to uh, enjoy life and just sit back and just stand still. And that could be part of it too. I read a link about, I read a link, I read a story uh, from a link about there's been like a 30% increase in suicides in the past 20 years, um, especially in middle-aged people. It's like 45 to 64, something like that. Was where these two folks happened to fall into it, Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade. And it's not surprising. Now, we are more diagnosed than ever before when it comes to mental health, which is good. There's less and less of a stigma. But that doesn't mean we're diagnosed correctly or that we're, we're prescribed the right drugs when we, are, when we go for depression or anxiety. I mean mental health is still evolving and we're still trying to play catch up. I mean, psychiatry is only a hundred years old. It's not that it's, it's not, it's, it's in its infancy. I mean, uh, medicine in terms of the body is like, that's thousands of years old. We have, we have developed thousands of years of knowing how to cure broken bones and heart disease and fixing teeth and, and brain surgery. I mean, the ancient Egyptians were doing some of that stuff. For God's sake. But when it comes to uh, mental health, that's, that's, it's not like, it's not like, uh, it's not like putting a splint on an arm or a leg. It's, it's a little different. It's a little dicier. So you can go to, the difference is this. You can go to like a world-class surgeon and, and they'll have the same, like two people with a broken leg can go to the same world-class doctor and get fixed up. And it'll splint it the same way. It'll re- reset the bone. And you're both fine as long as you follow what the doctor prescribed. Maybe not the same exact time frame, depending on your individual bodies. But you're both going to ha- be able to walk. You're both going to be fine. You're going to be stronger than before. Two people that have depression or anxiety go to the same world-class psychiatrist, exhibit the same symptoms, are, are diagnosed with something similar, and then are prescribed something similar. The person A could could take that prescription medicine and be totally fine and on their way and functional 
say, within a couple months. Person B could either have no effect, might make it worse. Because what's in those in those pills, those chemicals affect us differently because we're talking unexact science here. Talk to someone you know that has, has deal uh, with mental health issues, been prescribed medicine. It's, it's a struggle. Sometimes you, you go on something, it gets worse. You got to try something else or you try a combination of drugs. And that can go horribly wrong for some people. I mean, when you watch some of these commercials for like Paxil or anything else, when you look at some of these like antidepressant or anti-anxiety medications, I mean, hell, some of the some of the uh, side effects, potential side effects, sometimes they say like suicidal thoughts for some of these. It says it right on the TV. Like they have to, by law, say what's, what's the potential side effects. Unless they're saying that's what necessarily happened with someone like Anthony Bourdain, but who knows? And this is a person... Um, Anthony Bourdain, that's still, according to Joe Rogan, was like a heavy drinker and used to be a drug addict. Used to used to uh, used to do heroin, so he's already had a susceptible, I think, personality for, for some of this darkness. And I, I believe from something I read uh, after he, his marriage went kaput, um, he did have suicidal thoughts after that. So just not not a good recipe for all these things thrown together. I have no idea what his relationship what, what was with, with his current girlfriend. I have no idea. There's some rumors that maybe that was going south. He told Joe Rogan that this was the happiest I felt. Well, uh, I've never been happier. I think that's what that quote was, and that's very telling as well. Because if you if if you're someone who said it meant that I've never been happier, you're a person of very very highs and very very lows. Most likely, most people are more even kill. We have like smaller peaks and valleys. But if you say I've never been happier, you're on your highest high. But it also means that you can crash and be on a very low low. In that valley. And that's probably what happened to him. He had a he had a peak. He went into a, he dipped into one of those valleys, dipped right into a, a a deep depression. And it's unfortunate. Sounds like you know he was a good guy. Uh, demons aside, his personal demons. Um, and he had a good show, Peabody Award winning show. Go watch it on Netflix. Anthony Bourdain, Parts Unknown. Go go check it out. Learn something about other cultures. Um, it's fascinating. The food, the customs, the dress, everything. I haven't watched. I actually haven't watched one in years. I used to catch it on CNN every once in a while, and I, I just sort of fell off of cable news in general because cable news is a wasteland for the most part, all of them. But um, yeah, it's sad. It's always sad when someone decides in their, in their own life. You don't know why. I think I think Kate Spade left a note to her daughter. I can't imagine having a kid and doing. I know. I know you can't blame someone who does this. But wow, I'm just putting myself in the picture. If I have a. I have a daughter or son that I love whoo man that's you got to be hurting to do that I, I mean it's out of your hands almost at that point if you if you have loved ones you, leave, you, know, you know you're leaving behind you know they're going to be hurt but you just can't handle it anymore you can't face it. and that's why you can't blame people that that do this I mean I've known people that I've spoken about and people that I haven't spoken about publicly that committed suicide and it's hard I know it's, it's okay to feel angry about it that's natural but it's hard I mean the person's going through so much pain to do that man that's rough. That's rough to have that pain enough to just wipe it all out. I just want to go to just want to go to darkness. I don't want to I don't want to exist anymore. I just want my existence to end. And that would be better than what I'm feeling right now. To get to that mindset, that takes a lot. That's not just like breaking up with a boyfriend and girlfriend. That's that's something a lot deeper than that. That has to be intrinsically uh intrinsically linked to your overall mood and personality over a long period of time. That's uh, it's rough. This not so common podcast is sponsored by NordVPN. It's what I use to keep myself safe online and you can too. If you care about your privacy and the security of your information, NordVPN is giving you guys 77% off a three-year plan when you go to nordvpn.com slash pat or use code pat at checkout. VPN stands for Virtual Private Network, and today having a VPN is more critical than ever. Why? If you're doing anything online, your information and browsing habits are out there for anyone to get a hold of. Internet service providers can track our every move and use our private information to their benefit, not ours, selling our browsing habits and even slowing down the websites we all visit. 
When you use NordVPN, you have access to over 4,000 super speedy servers in 62 countries. And those connections secure your information using military-grade encryption. That means your information and what you do online is nearly impossible to track. I'm using the NordVPN app on my phone and laptop, so that means when I'm getting free Wi-Fi at the coffee shop or at the airports or hotels that I go to, I know things like my passwords and banking info are masked. Don't just listen to me. The folks at PCMag gave NordVPN their editor's top VPN choice. One account lets you protect up to six devices. Six devices with one account. There's an app for Android and iOS. You get unlimited bandwidth, and there's a money-back guarantee if you're not satisfied. Quick aside here, I've been hopping on servers around the world, as NordVPN lets me do. There's a few other benefits I've been testing out, mainly accessing streaming services in other countries, and also been checking out a theory I heard about that might help you get a little bit better price on airfare, keep you posted there. Again, to get that special offer, which breaks down to only $2.75 per month, go to nordvpn.com slash pat, or use code pat, P-A-T, and get going with your secure web browsing. Let's talk about uh, CM Punk. Living his dream. Living the dream. You know, I, I don't... Not that I, I don't... Well, first of all, I'll say this. Uh, we all knew that CM Punk was going to get destroyed in his second UFC fight, even though he was fighting someone else that was also 0-1 against the same opponent, Mickey Gall. But... He, he he chased the truth. He chased, he fought the truth. Mike Jackson, who is an MMA, I believe an MMA reporter had some light boxing experience. And it showed because uh, he boxed the, the, the shit out of CM Punk's face. CM Punk had to go to the hospital. May have broken his nose. I don't know what else. Uh, but it was a bloody fight. Uh, Mike Jackson carried him to three rounds. Mike Jackson clowned clowned around. I mean, Dana White was so pissed about Mike Jackson that he said he's never going to fight here again. Because Mike Jackson could have ended that fight in the second round. Definitely the third round, he could have ended the fight. He absolutely could have. But he, but he was clowning around. He denies he was doing it. He was. Which is not good for the sport because it's even more disrespectful to martial arts on top of a professional fight that had no right to even exist on a UFC uh, main event card or main card but you don't give you don't give an opponent an opportunity to come back because all you need is one punch and you could be over i mean i look back at um let's see what wasn't well he wasn't showboating but chael sonnen got caught the last 30 seconds of his fight against uh, uh silva for the title like what was like five six years ago got caught and he was winning in the fifth round on all the judges score cards he was going to be a champion and then he got triangle choked in the last like 30 seconds and that was it. So you don't give your uh, opponent an opportunity to hang around if you can finish it. And you should have just knock them out. And that would have been best for everyone. Uh, but he didn't. Uh, CM Punk um, loses. That should be the end of his... You know, it's definitely the end of his UFC career. I hope it's the end of his mixed martial arts career as well in terms of competition. Now, I tweeted that since I saw some wrestlers try to, you know, I guess it's the community of wrestlers, the brethren saying, oh, CM Punk lived his dream. And, and you know, is she proud of him? And I, I don't understand why everyone's giving CM Punk a participation trophy. A paid participation pro- trophy, by the way. CM Punk is getting, he signed a three-fight, $1.5 million contract with UFC. For, so 500000 a fight, win or lose, plus he's probably getting a percentage of the, of the pay-per-view buy rate. So... Who knows? That can be like, I don't know, between a half million and a million. I have no idea. It's a fucking ton of money. That's more than 99% of any mixed martial artist will ever make professionally fighting. The, the, the undercard people, you start out in the UFC, you're not making, you're making like what, 25 grand a fight? That's what I read from a couple years back. 25 grand a fight or 30, 30 grand. And you get a bonus if you win. Then you take out all the training fee and everything else and these fighters aren't making anything to get their asses kicked so i think it's a combination of mixed martial artists being and professional fighters being so annoyed that not just that cm punk skipped the line and not have to go through the grueling years and several years of being on the indie circuit i, I guess or the the regional uh pro fighting circuit and paying your dues as if it's pro wrestling and working your way up with opponents of your own stature and then grinding and then then get into the spot not just that 
but it's the fact that he's getting paid more than them. I think if he got rid of one or the other, I think I think most people would have a, wouldn't have a problem. If he wasn't paid anything and got his ass kicked, I wouldn't have as much of a problem uh, on it. If he got he got the same salary as everyone else, he could say, "Well, Pat, that's what UFC want to pay him," and that's fine. They're dumb for doing that because it's not. I don't think the revenue that they got is worth uh, people looking at it like a joke. I think in the long run, I think that hurts them. I don't care if they made a couple hundred thousand dollars more in the first pay per view, or you know, for the second pay per view with this fight, I don't think they made anything more. Because at that point, who's who knows who who wants to watch him a second time get his ass kicked? No one's going to want to watch him a third time, but even the second time. So, um, CM Punk gets destroyed, and everyone says he's living his dream. He's not living his dream because this is not the same path anyone else would have had to the UFC. And you, before you say Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar is, is a totally different story. Brock Lesnar, first of all, didn't have his first fight in the UFC. It was elsewhere. His first uh, professional fight. Second of all, Brock Lesnar is a world-class athlete. Uh, freak of nature. Was a lot younger than the 37 or 38 years old uh, CM Punk was when, when he had his first fight. Uh, third, uh, Brock Lesnar was a world-class uh, NCAA uh, ch- uh, champion. Like He was a champion wrestler in college. And that transfers over to being directly into being a mixed martial artist. There's a lot of guys who come out of amateur wrestling and become very successful mixed martial artists. So those three things Lesnar had going for him. And again, he proved himself at least in one fight before jumping to the UFC. And he proved himself over the long run by being a champion as a heavyweight champion as well, even though it was not exactly a stacked division when Lesnar was fighting as a heavyweight. But he went, I think, 6-3 and as a fighter. So... Lesnar is a totally different story. Totally different. But uh, no, this was not a dream. The dream would have been grinding it out, fighting for one of the dozens of regional mixed martial arts promotions throughout the U.S. or the, I think there's at least a couple dozen in the U.S. and there's dozens in the world that he could have went to and gotten paid. Not nothing. Not saying the guy's got to get paid nothing, but at least prove yourself to commensurate talent to then eventually work up to the UFC over some years or even Bellator, which is like the second biggest one in the world, uh, mixed martial arts uh, promotion. That would be quote unquote, the dream to me, to me, because to me, when you say uh, live in his dream, whoo. Now this was fantasy, buddy. This was a, a fantasy that CM Punk achieved. This is something that should not exist. It's not a dream. Dream is that kid that starts at uh, five years old, taking Taekwondo, works his way up for 25 years. Hard work. Training every day. Making nothing. And then finally, you know, coming into the UFC. And then saying, oh, wow, this is all that hard work paid off for. I've proved myself as a, a martial artist and as a fighter. That's the dream. This was a gifted opportunity that made Punk over a million dollars over the two fights. This was a fantasy. Don't let anyone don't let anyone tell you different. This was a fantasy. That should have never have happened. This would have been unreachable without this gift from Dana White in the UFC. And I guarantee you, if this was a uh, if they had to do this over again, there was, there's no way in hell they would have done this over again. There's no way in hell. It was impetuous. Punk was a, the hottest wrestler at the time when he quit WWE back four or five years ago. There's no way they would they would repeat this. And, and, and Punk, I watched the fight. Punk looked like an amateur still. You can call him professional. He was an amateur. Sorry. He should have. The problem, though, is that even facing someone 0-1 at a quote-unquote UFC style level, he still got destroyed. So there'd be there'd be no one they could have found to fight Punk that would have been someone that would not be able to destroy him, but at the same time would be on the same level that would be entertaining enough not to be laughed off a, a UFC card, even as an even as a non televised not or not or non pay per view uh, uh, fight. You would have to have found someone that started training within a year or two. Someone that's some random gym or someone from the crowd that may have been familiar with mixed martial arts just by watching it and knows how to throw a couple punches and maybe a couple leg kicks and maybe knows how to not get choked out immediately. 
then you would have a fair fight, but that would have no place being on a, on a UFC card. That that would have a place on the on the freaking Idaho a fighting ring event out in someone's barn like that. Then that's fine, making fifty bucks, and that's where Punk should have started. At least that's where he should have tried to cut his teeth. I'm not saying I'm not saying you do that forever, but do a few fights over a year, even still do the same hard training, the same world class training partners and coaches, but then just it, it's just not it was not a good idea. I think Dana White and other people agree. It was not a good idea. It wasn't worth whatever pittance money uh, UFC made off it in the grand scheme of things. They don't need that money versus the integrity of their sport. They don't. So to me, it was equivalent of a, a fantasy camp thing where you, I see in commercials on, on WWOR TV for like, oh, hang out with Keith Hernandez and, and other uh, Mets players past their prime or retired this weekend or this, you know, you spend like three, four days playing doing drills with uh, old Mets players on a field all these like these uh weekend warriors and 45 year old businessmen going out there and pretending they're real baseball players learning from you know from these former professionals the only the only difference is in that scenario those businessmen and people that weren't professionals were paying to have that experience pm pm punk cm punk was getting paid handsomely for the fantasy and that's the difference. And that's not this wish ill will on the guy. I don't take pleasure in seeing him get beat up uh, a couple times. That's just calling it like it is. It was a fantasy. It didn't live a dream. These days, you can get practically everything you want on demand, including this podcast. You can listen whenever you want, when it's convenient for you. Did you know also you can get postage on demand? You can. All you need is stamps. Com. With stamps.com, you can get access to all the services of the post office right from your desk. You can buy and print real U.S. postage for any letter or any package. It's available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Just click, print, and mail, and you're done. You just need a printer, but also need a digital scale. And stamps.com will provide you one. You can weigh your letters and packages and print the exact amount of postage every time. I've been using stamps.com for probably five, six years at this point. Mailing at NES Punk DVDs, uh, wristbands, CU podcast pins, even some some random consoles I've sold in the past. I've had extra, yeah, extra Sega CD. Yeah, I sold a couple of those in the past as well. <laughs> right now, you can use code NSC for a special offer. You go to stamps.com, click on the radio microphone at the top, and you type in NSC. You get a four-week trial that includes postage and a digital scale sent right to you. Again, go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top, enter code NSC for your four-week trial, including postage and a digital scale. And get mail and get shipping. It's the most convenient, easiest way to do so with stamps.com. All right. We got a little Q&A time with the Not So Common Podcast. Here, <laughs> this is from at this is from at Griffin Acuna Acuna Matata. Hey, Pat, can you talk about your plans for the summer? Also, what did you used to do in the summer when you were a kid? Oh, God. First of all, my plans for the summer. I will be uh, finishing, hopefully, or working on a certain Super Nintendo guidebook. I'll be at too many games, June 22nd to 24th. I will also be getting Castle Country in order. I'm redoing the backyard here so I can actually have a party with a grill out there. That'd be fun. Get the trees cut because the people before lived here before me didn't have any good upkeep of anything here. That's what's going on here uh, in my life for the summer. Eh, maybe I'll get a tan. Maybe I'll get into better shape. The intermittent fasting's working so far. Um, as a kid, I did a lot in the summer. I ran around, Chubby Pat ran around, even though I, you know, even though I, I I ate too much, too much chocolate chip cookies, but uh, we we played wiffle ball, street hockey a little bit in the summer, even though that was mainly in the fall and winter. Uh, street tennis, real tennis on a tennis court too. Basketball at the park. We play manhunt. Uh, we played football uh, every now and then, even though mainly again the fall. Um, we ride our bikes. Water fights with water balloons and the super soakers and all of that. We would play 
uh, freeze tag. We had something called poison bottle, which was our uh, neighborhood form of freeze tag. I don't know where that came from, by the way, that game. Uh, what else? Little Jimmy truck would come around. We'd get big, bigger pants for 50 cents for a little rainbow, little Jimmy Italian ice, which was, uh, we would do, I would do blueberry and cherry or blueberry, cherry, and lemon. That's the, that's the combo you want right there. Yeah, we played, we played video games, but we were, we ran around the house a lot or hang out with fr- friends. We'd ride our bikes. We'd go to, we go to, we go to the, we go to the woods, hang out in the woods. There wasn't forest porn there yet. We we're too young for that. But we would do that. We'd run around, have fun. Go to kids, go to our friends' houses. Uh, yeah, we played, we played Nintendo, but we we got around, we got, we exercised days before the smartphone. Um, Little League, I did baseball. Little Little League would run until about July, I believe, early July. It was like April to early July, or late June at least. We would do like the local county fair. We would do that, and we'd go to Seaside, Seaside Heights. We do Seaside Heights a few times a summer. We do a couple uh, separate weeks, and then we would do like a couple like weekend trips or day trips. We'd get down there; it wasn't too far, and that's what we did. And it was a blast. Now it wasn't all fun and games in terms of um, the apprehension of school uh, coming again, because like June was the best month ever. Because June was like, okay, we just out of school. We got the whole summer ahead of us. We can we can just be just goofs and goof off the whole summer. Once you got to July, like the middle of July with lightning bugs and um, uh, for, or fireflies, whatever you want to call them. Once you got the middle of July and July 4th, now you're knee deep into summer. Now we're here. Now it's half over. Now you're six weeks away from school. Now it's starting to feel not like it's still summer, but now you're like, okay, this isn't as fun as it was in June. Once you hit August, the fun time was over. Once you hit August, you had constant reminders of school coming, whether it was commercials for f- fucking trapper keepers and JCPenney sales on uh, school clothes and new jeans that your mind would drag you to. Uh, the Sunday circulars that would have advertisers for like for those like mead zebra colored notebooks and, and pencil cases and, and racers. So you, were, you, were, you got back by, by early August. You're already getting back into uh, summer's over. Get back to school. Let's borrow your stupid school supplies for the upcoming awful school year. And that's why August is still my least favorite month of the year. Even today, when it gets to August, I feel weird the whole month of August. I hate it. Because it always reminds me of impending doom is August. And don't get me started on those stupid Disney afternoon commercials that would run. It's getting closer. It's only three weeks away. Guess what? That means school is three weeks away or sometimes less. It means it was two weeks away. The new Disney afternoon lineup was exciting, but it sucked because that meant it was a new school year for those for those five or six Disney afternoons that I experienced as a child from like whatever it was, eight to 13. So that's what I did during the summer. <laughs> Fun times, the good old summer. Uh, but no, I, I made the most of it. It was great. You would like play until eight o'clock at night because the sun would, would go down at like eight o'clock after the summer solstice. So you can stay out late, run around, have your mommy all, Patrick, it's time to come in. Oh, no, mom. But I can go home and watch Unsolved Mysteries and not be able to fall asleep because I was too scared. All right, this is from at Harvey Farrier. Seeing you are from New Jersey, can you comment on Action Park? This is There's a movie by the Jackass crew coming out about it. Well, the movie's called Action Point, and Johnny Knoxville is a star and I think director, but... At least the star or guy behind it, because it's all supposed to be all, all real stunts. If you see the trailer, it looks like real stunts. He got he got screwed up, Johnny Knoxville. I think he broke a rib. His eyeball popped out. He broke. I think he like hit his head and got a couple concussions. Yeah, he's forty six. Even his wife saying, "What are you doing? Still doing this stuff?" So, so Action Point's a movie. It's based upon Action Park, and it's. I mean, it's really heavily inspired. They have all the same rides and the rope swing in the movie trailer. They have the Alpine sled thing where it's like a concrete sledding tunnel and you're on a little can you, can you call it sled it's like a sit up piece of plastic board with wheels on it and you can go flying at any time and people did get hurt in it they got like freaking burns they got road rash from the alpine the alpine sled at action park but there was a big water park in new jersey 
I never went to it. I was too young. I probably would have been killed if I went. But there was some there, there was some stuff like the I think it was called the Cannonball Loop, which was a something of legend until people found old pictures of it. And then someone actually got a video of it. It was a water. It was a water slide that went into a 360 loop. Yeah, that sounded safe. That reportedly, it people would get stuck on the top because there wasn't enough momentum to get around, and they had to like they it barely stayed functional. So people died at this water park. And at this, it wasn't a water park entirely, but it was largely a water park. But people died. People were electrocuted in the wave pool. People, I think, uh, hit their head in the, like, there was like a rapids area. People uh, got hurt on the Alpine sled. I, I knew someone in the neighborhood that came back with a burn on their arm from the road rash from this cement freaking track of the Alpine sled. Um, I think they had, I think they had little mini ca- uh, carts as well, race cars. Uh, Action Park's a trip. It, it it's deserving of the reputation it had. It was dangerous. There was multiple people killed there in the eighties. Multiple people. And I think it closed in the mid to late nineties. It closed September second, nineteen ninety six. It started in the late seventies. Other notable water attractions: the tidal wave pool. Yep, people died there. They had the rapids, roaring rapids. Yep, people died there. The Tarzan swing. Uh people people got hurt. Uh, da, da, da. They had the aqua scoot, really. The super speed water slides. That sounds safe. Today is known as the H two O no. That's right. Someone bought Action Park and reopened. I think the past ten years. They had diving cliffs. They had diving cliffs. You dove off a cliffs at this water park. These are things that I don't understand how it was how it was legal back then. Let's see, diving cliffs. Former employee Tom Ferger says the bottom of the pool of the diving cliffs was eventually painted white to make it easier to spot any bodies on the bottom. Holy shit. The large pool into which people jumped is no longer used for regular swimming, only to, depo- to, only to deposit used tubes, still operating known as Canyon Cliffs. Wow. There was a skydiving simulator. A wind tunnel? Okay. Uh, According to Wikipedia, Action Park and its defenders often pointed out that that it was one of the first water parks in the nation and thus pioneered ideas that were later widely copied. This meant that visitors were using rides that had not been tested through practical use for very long. Ride designers may have had insufficient training in physics or engineering. They seemed to build rides, build rides, one attendee recalled, not knowing how they would work and then let people on them. All right. Okay. Then the vast majority of workers at Action Park uh, regularly seen were teenagers. Uh, a security director for the park, Jim Desay, says he got that job at the age of 21 after having worked at the park for two years. Most were underaged Undertrained and often under the influence, and cared little for enforcing park rules and safety requirements. Height and weight-based re- restrictions were often ignored. Uh, the park also sold beer in many kiosks on the grounds, which similarly, which similarly, similarly relaxed enforcement of the drinking age, as with other restrictions in the park. Doctors treating the injured often reported that many of them were intoxicated. So this is a disaster, Action Park. It's, they're, they're only lucky that there are only... How many fatalities? One, two, three, four, five. There were six. There were six, heart, uh, there were six fatalities. One heart attack, a couple of drownings, a uh, couple electrocutions, someone hit their head, or I think. Yeah. The Alpine Slide. Yeah, that's it. Not Alpine. Yeah, the Alpine Slide. Someone hit their head. Uh, tidal wave pool, electrocution. Tidal wave pool, uh, drowning. Drowning. Great. Heart attack. So great. So it's as bad as what you thought it was. And now you have a movie that commemorates it with Johnny Knoxville. So there you go. There you go. Action Park in, I think it's Vernon, New Jersey. And I, I think it's still around. I think they still have it. I think they at least still have the water park. They also had Alpine Center and Motor World. Yeah, a little go-kart area. You're less likely to get killed riding their go-karts 
than going in the tidal wave pool. That to me is funny. It's also known as Traction Park. Yes, I heard that as a kid. I did hear that name as a kid. Traction Park, Accident Park, and Class Action Park, which is a really funny name. That's, that's even better than Traction Park, Class Action Park. Don't think there, I don't think there was ever a Class Action lawsuit, though. Don't think there was ever that. Uh, it's now Mountain Creek Water Park. Really? It's not really Action Park anymore? You might as well make it. You might as well just capitalize on the whole dangerous theme at this point. You might as well just do that. But no, I never went to it. I went to Bowcraft and Scotch Plains, which I think is still around this summer. And there was also the land of make believe in uh, Hope, New Jersey, but that was like in a nice area. Bowcraft was was off a fucking highway. You can see the cars zoom by at sixty miles an hour while you're on your little while you're doing mini golf and on the little Ferris wheel and playing on the arcade games there. But I love Boatcraft. That was the closest one to me. We couldn't afford to go to Disneyland or Six Flags, even Great Adventure. We couldn't go to Six Flags. We never went to Six Flags. And that was like 45 minutes away. So Boatcraft it was for me. Okay, and finally, this is from at Keeping Up Gaming. Whether it's Battlefield, Star Wars, or Doctor Who, why do you think some men, not all, some men, freak out whenever a woman takes a, on a lead role in their fandom? Is it misogyny or something else? Now, misogyny is a prejudice against women. That's the definition. I looked it up before. It's not necessarily a hatred, at least, even though hatred is misogyny on some level. But it's at least a prejudice. Okay. Glad Ian's not here. He can bite my head off for my opinions, like he usually would do. Um, This is what I think is going on. With with some men, yes. I think they're just so blinded by... uh, not wanting their 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 franchise fucked within their eyes that they're going to be pissed off. They're going to be pissed off. It's ruining their world. I, I Luke Skywalker is the guy I follow. He's my Jedi Knight. Not not Ray. Not this Mary Sue. By the way, what the fuck's a Mary Sue? Still, I never heard that term before. The Force Awakens. What is that? Luke, Luke was overpowered as well. Did you, did you fucking see him in Return of the Jedi? Who the fuck did he train with? He trained for, with Yoda for a week and a half. And then all of a sudden, he, he's he's doing force chokes and beating that giant fucking monster. Anyway, yeah. Luke was the original Mary Sue. So, okay. So, you don't want to pr- paint with too broad a brush. So, I'll say this. You first of all have to realize that the people that yell online the loudest are usually the most insane. I don't care what the issue is. Sometimes it's justified, but a lot of times it's not. So, the people that are going to be upset on social media... That's not the average folk. The average folk don't care. The average folk will forget that, you know, Ray became a Jedi or, or is the focal point of the new Star Wars trilogy. Most, well, just people won't care. Yes, you're going to have some geeks that are going to freak out. Yes. But I don't think it's all just blind misogyny or hatred or prejudice. I don't think that's it. I think that, it, that might explain a little bit. I don't think that explains all of it. I think there's some men, and there's women too, that just want to identify with someone that's more like them. This is the best analogy I can give this. And the, but this mentality still pervades today from being a child. So when I grew up, my first favorite action figure franchise before G.I. Joe was He-Man. Brawny, big freaking men. He-Man. It's in the name. You want to be a man, you play with He-Man. That's what you look up for. You want the roided muscles. You want the huge pecs. You want the biceps, you play with He-Man. Now, that's not to say I did not have female figures in that line. I had uh, Tila, and I had Evil Lynn. I don't think I had the Sorceress. Did not have the Sorceress, but I had Tila, and I had Evil Lynn. So I had the bad girl with the yellow skin that was drawn just Evil Lynn. And then I had, well, I was equated with my sister. I'm not going to get into that why, because <laughs> she acted like Evil Lynn. And then... Uh, Tila, good old Tila with the nice legs. Anyway, so it's not like as a boy you wouldn't want to play with girl figures, but that's not like if the line was was Tila, I wouldn't have bought it probably because why would I be identifying or, or want to role model myself after a woman if I'm a small child? So there was a Shira line that was the the sister line, literally the sister line or cousin line actually, the cousin to He Man. So Shira existed. I knew a couple girls on the block, on the block that Shira. And as a kid, Shira, I looked at it. I was like, yeah, that's that's cool. I mean, I'm not going to play with Shira. 
Why would I play with the, with the girls' line if I can do the guys' line? I don't identify with Shira. I don't identify with the the long, glamorous hair and the and the Wonder Woman type outfit and, and, and riding a unicorn. I identify with Brawny He Man and having Battle Cat, you know, and wielding a sword and axe. And that's that's that was my my guy. So I think that's that's what's going on here. We're looking at a He-Man Shira situation in the modern age. So some people still want to identify with the same franchise or role models that they had growing up and they can't get over it. That it's it's might have changed. And that's not to say that these same people, these same people, and this is why you don't want to pay too broad a brush. Because the same per, per people that might hate the idea of of Ray as a protagonist, they might also really like the Aliens franchise with Ripley. They might also like Tomb Raider. So it's not necessarily that they hate all women in the protagonist role. It might just be that it's upsetting their personal Apple car. It's changing their franchise too much for their comfort zone. And I'm not just saying that's justified. I'm, they're, 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 they're being babies to me either way. But I'm just trying to say, I think that's what's going on in some of these cases. Not all. There are some people that just don't want to, uh, uh, like a, a woman, they, they feel like invading their man world. I absolutely uh, see that point. But I don't think that's, you cannot describe that as every single person has a problem with it. You can't say that, that every single person that doesn't like a female Doctor Who is because they're a misogynist. I think that's unfair to everyone. I think it, I think it describes some people, but not all. And it's dangerous to generalize about a, a fandom's entire personality. You can't. I don't think you whittle that down. Now, Doctor Who is to me different, just because to me that's a, a very more traditional, over fifty-year-old franchise where it just happened to be a man every single time. But I don't think there's ever a rule saying it, it would have to be a man every single time. So, for example, for the new Doctor Who, I saw a little bit of people complaining. But I really didn't see that much of it, at least in my eyes. Because that's an alien character to begin with, and they regenerate and always look different. So for me, that wasn't a huge deal in terms of, like, I, I personally am not a huge Doctor Who fan, so I don't care who becomes Doctor Who. I mean, I watched some of them, but I still don't know what the hell the big deal is about Doctor Who. I just never got the show. Um, but having a, having a woman Doctor Who, to me, that's not, like, a major change. Because to me, that's not a written part of the character that has to be a man. Now, a different something entirely different would be uh, if they made James Bond a woman, um, James Bond's a written character that's been written in a, a series of novels where he's a a British uh, officer, a royal officer in the navy. That's who he is. That's who he's always been. If they just went off that and changed that, then okay, I got a problem. There's an established. Uh, I mean, this is who the character is. This is how he's written. This is how he is. That I'd have a problem with. Actually, I don't think they'd ever make a. I guess they could do a sister James Bond. They did James Bond Jr. That was I couldn't even bring myself to watch James Bond Jr. For example, that's a whole different conversation. I thought that was stupid. Um, but I think for for Doctor Who, it's an alien character. It's like who cares? But for a well written, established character of the past fifty years, I think more people have a problem with that. But 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 in terms of changing up the franchise, that's different. So like having Ray come in, for example, um, or having a woman be on the cover of Battlefield. Or part of the group. I just think some people some people are being babies. Absolutely. Some people just don't prefer to identify their hero or protagonist character with something that they're not. But that's their that's but they're they're the, they're the ones missing out though. Because there's brilliant character arcs and you can have the same drama, same action and emotion with a female character, obviously, as with an with a male character, action character. Either way, you can learn the same stuff, you go through this through the same emotional changes and range. So yeah, there's immaturity as well. I'll just say that. I think there's a lot of immaturity. I will say that versus saying everyone's being straight out uh, misogynist. I will say they're definitely being immature. But where does the immaturity come from? And I think it comes down to uh, role models and familiarity and not wanting to look up, having their franchise change so much so that now they're having to identify with someone of another uh, gender. And that's their issue. And I think that's what's going on with some, but then again, I'm, I'm not, I can't I can't psychoanalyze an entire group of fandom. It's tough to do that. It's tough to do that. I mean, people loved. I mean, with Star Wars, people loved Princess Leia. They always loved Princess Leia. But yeah, I think it's the fact that uh, you now have like a sort of a female Luke Skywalker. That's what bothered some people because that's not what they're they were used to. I think. Then again, people that just 
yell online, yell the loudest, and that's that's the minority of people either way that are just yelling online about fucking geek. Geek shit that doesn't matter in the long run. That's what it comes down to. Speaking of shit that doesn't matter, thanks so much for listening to this not-so-common podcast. Again, I'll be at Too Many Games, June 22nd to June 24th. Uh, thanks to my sponsor, new sponsor, NordVPN, coming on board. And thanks to uh, Stamps.com as well. And remember, there's also Dollar Shave Club. Go to dollarshaveclub.com slash pat, and you can get a nice razor for a dollar free shipping. No commitment. Cancel any time. Get the executive razor. It's over there somewhere. Where is it? Where is my Dollar Shave Club <laughs> razor? Uh, remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, YouTube, wherever you're listening to this. Please share the podcast. Let others know how much you enjoyed it. Um, finally, if you want to follow me, and, and, and you can follow me on Twitter at PatTheNESPunk. And if you want to help support me in my endeavors here and abroad, not abroad, I'm just doing it in San Diego, uh, but if you want to help support me, please check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash patcontry. Thanks, everyone. I'll see you next time. Hopefully not screwing up my initial recording and having to redo it because that wasn't fun. <laughs>